Angela Fazio is an industry powerhouse who has overseen 40,000 homes sold and 9 billion in production. And Kristen Cantrell is one of the nation's most accomplished team leaders, helping thousands of agents build their businesses. They are passionate about educating, encouraging, and empowering moms in real estate. Our next episode starts now. Hey, you guys, welcome to Moms in Real Estate. It's Kristen Cantrell. And today I get the pleasure of interviewing Tina Bellevue. Bellevue. I knew I was going to do that. <laughs> um, out of Maryland. And you guys, I have just enjoyed really getting to know her. Um, she's such a fantastic person. And I just told her before we went live that one thing that I've really gotten out of talking to her and reading her questionnaire that we send out is I don't feel like there's this actual thing of like that we're all striving for balance, right? We all want balance in our lives. And I feel like of all the guests that we've had on Moms in Real Estate, I feel like she might be the closest person to reaching balance that I've ever talked to. So I'm so excited to dive into her life with you guys today. So Tina, welcome. Thank you so much for having me and for the kind words. You've just given me all the positive affirmation I needed today already. <laughs> oh, I, I just love getting to know you. So why don't you get everybody started and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, where do I begin? Okay. Well, I'm a mom in real estate, number yeah. one. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I'm 37. I've been in the industry for my whole adult life. I actually got into real estate when I was a freshman in college. Um, so I could tell more of my story at some point, but essentially at this point, I run a small boutique referral driven team in the Baltimore, Maryland market. And then I do a bunch of other things. I coach and teach real estate agents. I teach a spin class once a week for fun. Mm. I have a son who is 21 months and I'm expecting a baby girl in three to five weeks. <laughs> Which is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, yeah, there's so much in my head right now because we just unexpectedly went under contract to buy our dream home a couple <gasps> days ago. So yeah. Well, I you just, know, it's like, just add one more thing in the mix. You know, it, like there's never good timing, but I was like, are we really doing this when I'm about to have the baby? And yes, yes, we are. So that's happening. I run an Airbnb in Hilton Head, South Carolina. I've done a little bit of investing and I, the big part of my story is that I spent the last three years realigning my life after being super workaholic, like to say the least. So I've been on a really interesting journey in the recent years. Well, I think that it's so cool because you're, you're so young for having been in the business for so long and you, what's really cool about your story is that you were in real estate, you were a workaholic, like most of real estate agents are, right? And then all of a sudden, before you had kids, you had this like defining moment of you figuring out like, I'm a workaholic and this isn't working. And so you yeah. rebuilt your business. And I really want to dive into that today. Um, I really want to dive into like, what was that aha moment for you to where you were like, screw this. Like, I do not want to do this. This is exhausting because I talk to so many agents that are just so burnt out in the business. They're like, I never want to show another house again. Like, I hate this. What else can I be doing? And you, it seems like you got to either that point or right before it. And then you're like, let's just rebuild. So tell us like all about that. Yeah, well, it was a very brutal defining set of moments, <laughs> I would say. It's funny. So I started building my team in earnest in 2013. And really by 2016, I was super burned out just because 
the way I I'm like a late, I'm naturally wired to be like labor intensive. I almost have these like, you know, core beliefs from growing up or who knows that, you know, you get there by working really hard, like things aren't easy. And that's the kind of stuff that I've been unpacking in recent years. So even just a few years of like hyper growth in my team already had me pretty burned out. And I, to kind of get myself out of the field and make a clean break, I took a management role in a Keller Williams franchise. And I did that from 2016 to 2019. The benefit of that decision was it did get me out of the day-to-day production, which was something I wanted and came to realize was a good fit for me to run my team from like, whatever, a CEO position or whatever you would want to call it. And then I went on this three-year journey of, you know, building a very big, uh, we built the number one office in Maryland. We were the number one, me and my partner that I worked with, we were like the number one recruiting team in all of Keller Williams out of like 800 franchises my first year. Like we were just grinding the same way I had ground <laughs> selling which, houses. But which let's fun. pause on that for a minute. So if you've ever been a team lead at Keller Williams or you know one, it is the hardest job, you guys. So that is super, super impressive. It's painful when I think about it. Like I, <laughs> it's painful. I was like loving it at first because it was new and I was kind of bored of some of the day-to-day production stuff. Yeah. And I don't mean to like speak poorly of anything about real estate, but I was ready for something different. Just you know, a change. Yeah. So, and I love change. Mm-hmm. Love it. So do much. I. Um, <laughs> so it was, you know, I, I was learning a lot and that was very inspiring, but ultimately um, the way that position is, at least the way it was when I was doing it and the people that I kind of worked for, it was just burnout central, really high quotas, a lot of talk about like whole person wellness, but it was not. Um, yeah, authentic. totally. <laughs> like literally like you have unlimited time off, but you'll be fired if you miss you know, your numbers ever. You totally. know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, like that. I look back and I'm like, what was that? Oh my that? gosh. That like, reminds me of when I worked at GoDaddy. It would be like, oh, oh look at all these things that you can do. We have a keg of beer and we've got lounge rooms and this but if you get out of your seat for longer than three minutes you're gonna not be able to get your commissions <laughs> like thanks dude yeah I mean it's so toxic and I so that's toxic. been like I mean there's so many things about like my realignment after moving on but basically what happened was broad strokes at the end of 2019 I realized that I was in an insanely toxic environment for several reasons And I realized I needed to move on. And that was shocking because I was really deep in the world that I'd been building. I had bought into two of the three franchises I was running. It was unexpected for me. Like literally my aha moment about that came when I was in a spin class. And it was sort of like, you know, when you're just, you don't want to look at something in your life and it's there in the background. And then whatever happened while I was on the bike that day, like it came to the forefront I saw some things clearly I hadn't been wanting to see. And it was like, it was just like such a watershed. Oh my gosh. And I just remember coming home and sharing with my husband and saying like, here's some of the things that have been going on that like, I haven't even been conscious of. I've been just coping with stuff. So that was the first thing. And yeah. me going, there's no way I can stay here yeah. in any shape or form. And Okay. And then, and then it just sort of created an earthquake in like my sort of delicate balance of what had been going on over that time, because basically I had, I still had my team going, 
um, a longtime team member had really been running the day to day. She was managing the listings, overseeing pretty much everything with the team. And when I got shaky, she got shaky and decided to go out on her own. Mm-hmm. And um, and the story there, I don't even know the truth of what happened, but the way I understand it is she just recruited all of my team members to come with her. And I, at the day before Christmas Eve 2019, I realized that both of my businesses were done. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and that I was like, you know, yeah, you can see that I'm actually like becoming a little wordless, which doesn't happen for me that often. Well, so. I, I want to stop there for a minute because one thing that, you know, specifically like you can tell, like, that's a big deal, you guys, when somebody recruits um, and takes people off your team. But what was very um, great that I, I was reading in your questionnaire was you actually saw the positive in it. And I always admire people that can find the positive inside of the pain. And I feel like looking back, you actually do see the positive in that because it helped you to go and reevaluate and rebuild, right? So much positive. And like, I understand to a large degree why some decisions were made. And, you know, I think until you've lived in someone else's shoes, you have no idea how they really feel and the perspectives they have. And, and it's not about literally, she said, she said, but I think, you know, I know what I was experiencing. I know I was doing the best I could with what I had for a while. And, and it probably was not nearly enough, mm-hmm. um, despite my very, very good intentions. I think what's hard for me is when people misread my intentions, that's way more painful. Um, and I think that was part of what what happened with just some trust being destroyed, but it was a very complicated situation, me leaving my brokerage and um, just being very, you know, um, head held high and not sharing with everyone what had been going on because mm-hmm. I didn't want to and, and, and it wasn't their business. So it's easy for people to draw a lot of conclusions about all kinds of things when they don't know anything. So it was really like one of those moments where it must be a little bit what it feels like to be canceled because that's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. It was such like a ego hit, scary. I felt really stupid. I mm-hmm. felt so um, so exposed mm-hmm. and vulnerable in so many ways. Um, but I also knew that everything that had been ha- happening up until then really wasn't working and it was an opportunity to start over and, and figure out what was next. And some of that was really clear from the get-go and a lot of the other pieces of that have evolved a little bit more over time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's like, a, <laughs> where do we go from there? I could tell you at least like the things I changed first or. Yeah. Well, I just, I think that you're super humble about it and I think it's great. Um, and I think that in real estate, it can be so catty and going through things like that, which I have been through that. Um, it's really hard. You do feel exposed and you feel dumb and you feel like, and you, and they are saying stuff about you, which is, it's really hard. And you're like, and I actually just had something recently happen where I'm like, it's so funny. Sometimes I feel like people in real estate are in high school. Like, do they really say that or they make shit up? And you're like, did you really make that up? You know, it's crazy. But you have to just, just like in high school, be like, I really don't care what they're saying and move forward. So tell us like, how did you move forward and how did you decide like this is an opportunity for me to reevaluate reevaluate and rebuild yeah i mean besides some crying um <laughs> totally <laughs> really it was yeah it was first it was like okay well what am i what am i willing to do now cuz you know part of it was that i'd been 
you know, building a brokerage by like a playbook and literally like following quotas and lots of like um, bureaucracy and whatever. So I, one of my first things was like, no more meetings. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. Like, I, like I needed freedom. I needed to feel like I wasn't beholden to anyone mm -hmm. and that I needed to like fully reclaim my calendar, like every element of my life felt like it had been sort of given away. I'd given away a lot of my power by my choices. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of the first thing where I just went from, you know, time blocked every second of the day to none. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started working out every morning at like 9am, which felt like wrong. <laughs> so wrong I know like, I love that you say time. that I love that you say that because it, it is so true like coming from that role because I've been there where it's like you have almost like I don't want to track my numbers like I never want to freaking do that again and so you just totally go the opposite direction and then when you are working out during those nine to five hours you feel so guilty but you're like but hold on I'm up at 5 a.m like working why am I feeling guilty if I'm working out at nine o'clock so weird. Yes, all of that. And like, if I can get my work done in four hours in a day, like I've always been freakishly efficient. It's yeah. one of my gifts. And like, why am I apologizing for that? Totally. Like, I, get it. I, like I, I can get how, you know, even someone who maybe works with me on my team might be like, but why do I do this? And she does that. And I'm like, I don't know, but that's how it is. That's how I am. That's what I do. And I can't spend. The Let's rest pause of my there because I know every. We gotta pause there because I know everyone's like, okay, freakishly and or freakishly efficient. How? Tell us your secrets. Number one, <laughs> twenty years of doing this. So like you know, the longer you do things, the faster you get at doing them well and quickly. Totally. Um, I think it's just wiring to some degree. I'm a Virgo. I'm an Enneagram three. If that means anything to the Enneagram followers, I'm just sort of like, I'm systems driven. I'm, che I have checklists. I, I would rather do something really well one time and not touch it again. So like, I, I think I do have a willingness to do things that maybe some people aren't willing to do because I, I do have a better understanding that there's going to be a long-term payoff by digging in early and like creating a system or writing those templates or training someone, even though it's like super, you know, nails on a chalkboard to like slow down. I'm not saying I love those things, but I think I've learned that there's a payoff to thinking really long-term. Yeah. You embrace the suck to get to yeah. the other side. There it is. Yeah. What, much, much cuter way of saying that. I don't know if embracing it's, suck is cute, but. <laughs> it's concise. Uh, but yeah, and I think like if I were even to apply that to like the last three years of my life, like I haven't been winning any production awards or, or, you know, some of the old ego stroking things that used to, you know, just give me more affirmation, but my quality of life is off the charts. And if that means that like, I don't compare at the same level to some of those metrics as other people, like that's where I get, I can get wound up. Like I recently mm -hmm. in the beginning of this year did a huge round of unfollowing on social of other realtors because I just found myself comparing too much. And I was like, my life is too, like I was worried I was going to like miss out on like interesting information or whatever. But like, I, I do have to kind of manage that side of me that is, 
I don't even know if it's competitive. It's probably more insecure would be the way more honest thing to say. Yeah. That is looking for that we all have that I'm doing enough and I'm okay. And, or that I have this weird fixation sometimes that I peaked years ago. Mm. (laughs) That is, that's, I mean, you, it's so funny what we tell ourselves and it's so funny how our industry is always putting people up, like how many homes you sold. Like you don't see accountants saying how many taxes they did. You know what I mean? Like, why do we do that? Well, and it's funny because you were saying a while ago, like, why can real estate feel like high school? And my husband works in financial services and he's always like, no one, we don't have these problems at T. Rowe Price. Like, no my, one's my husband, mad that you went to like Mason. Like, he's like, what? My <laughs> husband literally always for years is like, how many pats on the back do real estate agents need? You guys have awards like every month. I'm like, I know we really do. And he's like, you guys are so weird. I'm like, totally are. Yeah. I guess it's just an industry culture that is so established that you get brought up into it and then it's normal, but it has some really weird impacts. And like, for me, like I can go on ego quests, I can compare, I can fixate on, you know, some of those things instead of like, I have a family now, you know, it's like, what, like you need to realign Yeah. on that, on that level. And yeah, I really have to have talks with myself here and there. I think we all do. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I know we all do. Yeah. All right. So it's keep different. taking us down that road. I actually, so you you said something at the beginning of this podcast. You said you've been unpacking some of your core beliefs, and I feel like that's pretty much what we're talking about. So how do you unpack these core beliefs that you've accumulated for over 30 years? I mean, I've I've had times in my journey where I like was doing very focused personal development programs and work and therapy and like the last three years I've been more free floating and part of that for me was a departure from feeling like I needed to follow some plan for it to be okay and by it I don't even know what I mean in a way but sort of this like amorphous fear of like well if I do this then I'll like just the fear of not following some kind of playbook that might not lead me in the best direction and like going into like a much deeper level of trust of yeah. my intuition. Okay. And like a, a, a way more like concrete example I can give you of what I'm trying to say is like the way I built my real estate business was very intuitive to some degree. I mean, it was hard. I think building your book of business and learning how to sell homes, like it's so much harder than it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like it was this easy journey, but I figured out how to lead, generate and build relationships and have a really authentic, organic social media presence by just doing it and sticking with it and had a really beautiful business because of it. And then when I spent my years doing the KW team leader stuff, I was, you know, prospecting and tracking really consciously and had, you know, all these different things and 40 appointments a month and, you know, managing the profit of the office. And I, so I think I just spent that time kind of trying to run someone else's playbook mm-hmm. and I could, but it didn't make me happy. And so I think like when I made this shift in 2020, it was like, how can I go back to the very best of how I built my business originally, but also infusing that ease mm-hmm. that I was talking about earlier of like, how can it be as organic as possible? And how can I honor that like my energy isn't consistent all day Monday or Monday through Friday 
how can I just start to honor how I feel and Mm -hmm. give myself grace and space and rest and all these things where I feel like if you're just sort of used to working in like a capitalistic culture where you're just focused on productivity and outside like external measures, you can really, I lost touch with like my internal thermostat, some of my intuition, even some of my instincts, I kind of tamped them down to like conform and fit into like a bureaucracy and stuff like that. And I know that might sound kind of wild and intense, but it's so That's true. the environment I was in. I'm like, so. I'm, to- I'm totally feeling you because it is, it's just this like hustle co- culture and it's like, it doesn't need mm-hmm. to be like that. I love what you're saying. And I think more people need to hear that. Yeah. And I think COVID as awful as, you know, the pandemic was and has been, it did, I feel like create such a moment in our culture for people to like really start to give themselves permission to examine how they work and where they work and you know, it's, it's definitely a silver lining. And like, I moved to EXP March 1st, 2020. And then the pandemic started, you know, two or three weeks later in the Oh my gosh. We're like anniversary date. Yeah, I know. You mentioned that before I meant to say we were like same timeline. So when you were, when you were, you know, going like, I want to hear how, when you rebuilt your business, how you plugged in, like, I know you're passionate about spin. So you're like, I'm going to be a spin coach once a week. Great. So I want you to walk us through like, cause also, she's a super successful real estate agent, and I want everyone to see how she's talking about, like, she can be efficient in four hours. She can throw in being a spin instructor. Like, when you started building out your calendar that was authentic to you and felt good, tell us about that and how you built it. Yeah, I mean, it started with exercise, which isn't necessarily what everyone else should do, but that was sort of, I just found that spin was actually really good for my mental health, like, sort of. I was going through a very agitating period, as you probably can imagine, as I described that. So it's like, it was really good for me to work out first thing every morning. Well, it's you time. Let's call it spin. Let's call it whatever is you time for you. You put that in there. And the other thing I embraced, like I've never been a morning person, even after becoming a mom, I thought maybe I would have a magical shift. It hasn't really happened. But (laughs) so I kind of was like, you know what? I work out at nine. I don't, I don't do this. 7 a.m. class or this. Um, so then it was like, okay, well, I work out from nine to 10. I, I get home by 10 ish, a shower. Like, I got in touch with the fact that, like, I'm not really ready to work most days till 11. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was actually that, like, okay, well, then you only have this much time. So, so how are you going to be as efficient with that as possible? So it's sort of like having boundaries around my time for the first time because. You know, I had some boundaries before, but not not to the level I'm describing at all. So sort of like making room for myself and exercise and then basically making it work with the the time that was left over and changing my beliefs about it being okay to not work a 40 hour week unless Mm -hmm. I feel like it. And yeah. And then, you know, so it's funny because I made this transition to EXP. The pandemic started. I went totally virtual and that was a big change because my team, I'd been running it very traditional, mm-hmm. like in the office, call every morning at a certain time, lots of tracking, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And none of that's bad, but I just went through this like reaction where I needed to like overcorrect in the opposite direction. And I'm still kind of there for the most part. Um, so then it was just like changing the way my team functioned and like embrace it's, it sounds like little stuff, but embracing that our office is slack. <laughs> like we're virtual on slack. Yeah. Um, we 
you know, I changed a lot with our marketing and I refreshed all my like strategies. I've been kind of running the same like database plan for a really long time and COVID forced me to change a lot. I mean, like we've, we were always really event heavy and then that was, you know, not a thing for a good while. So I like went really heavy on Facebook groups and changed a lot tactically and just gave myself permission to just keep asking like, what's as efficient as possible? And if it drains me, I really shouldn't be doing it because that just, it's like an opportunity cost that robs me of doing something that would actually give me energy and support furthering my business in some way. What are your most efficient prospecting buckets? So I got in touch with the fact that I'd been kind of overdoing it with my database in some ways. Um, Figuring out like the most efficient ways to communicate that actually work. So none of it's going to sound sexy whatsoever, but like I vastly leveled up our email marketing Mm -hmm. and made it way more effective, more readable, more engaging. What do you use? Call to action. I use Flowdesk. There we go, you guys. I will like, I Flowdesk, I will just talk about for the rest of my life. It's the best thing ever. Here's why it's the best thing ever. And you kind of just said that. I do not. I was so afraid of automation in my business because I'm like such a personal relationship type person that I'm like, I can't just be sending stuff out. Flowdesk allowed me to feel like my brand and personality could actually go into my email marketing and it didn't feel spammy at all. Right? A hundred percent. And it also taught me so much about marketing best practices. And I have a marketing brain, but just like the way Flowdesk works, like even the templates, it's like call to action here. Mm -hmm. It puts your click and open rates like right in front of you. It just really helps you interpret what you're doing and improve and iterate. So yeah, like that's like a silly thing, but if Flowdesk is listening, my one thing I want them to do is come up with new templates more often. (laughs) My other thing is I wish I could share my templates with other people. Oh, totally. That would be legit. That would be cool. I actually have two Flowdesk accounts. I have one for my agent facing business and one for my clients. And I like, sometimes I want to use the same email, but I have to recreate it. So yeah, let me share. That's what I want to say to them. I actually email them that like every six months and they're always like, we don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, listen, I need to be on staff there for a little while. (laughs) (laughs) Briefly. Okay. So flow. Sorry. So your email marketing and then keep going. Oh my gosh. So many things. When the pandemic started, I launched a Facebook group for my past clients and my referral advocates. And then that is what led me into my broader strategy on a different group that I run that is like my digital geographic farm. Mm-hmm. So that's like the new thing. Like uh, the, the the geographic farm would be sort of the thing most outside of the realm of just being referrals and repeat and relational, which has just been my thing overall. I also overhauled and automated everything I'd been doing with mail, which is been really cool. I started sending like really cute gifts to people for referrals for their home anniversary. We even haven't, uh, we have it to the level now where when you go under contract on a house, if I'm in my CRM and I apply a tag that you're under contract, it auto orders an under contract gift and ships it to the client. Yeah, that's so nice. So just like these little touches, which are totally my like heart, but, like that's who I am. And But I can't do that, you know, sustainably for 20 years. Like I need tech for that. So I figured all that out and just made everything a lot less people dependent. 
And then... So Tina's actually teaching my Connect and Cultivate group um, coming up. So if you're listening to this and you guys want to see, like, actually learn from her on this specific topic, don't hesitate to reach out to us and I will definitely send you guys the recording. Yeah, I was going to, like, say, are you going to plug that? Because it's going to be fun. It's going to be so much fun. Yes. (laughs) So I want to wrap the episode up with you talking about, I, one thing I just loved reading from you was like your love for your child. It, like you love being a parent and I, I just could feel that from reading your questionnaire. So talk about your child for a little bit. Oh my gosh. Well, I think the funny thing is I never even wanted to be a mom. <laughs> so terrible. I did not want to be a mom, but when I was a kid, I wanted to be a celebrity. I wanted to be <laughs> famous. I wanted to, I don't even know. It was kind of like an amorphous goal, but like, I didn't dream about my wedding or my family. I just was ambitious from the get go. And, and then I was so caught up in my work for so long that I felt like I would get to having kids eventually, but there was no urgency. And then my series of wake up calls that we've spent this time talking about were all like, there were, that was the catalyst of so many things. My changed EXP, changing my team, changing my schedule and deciding to start a family. And, you know, and now I'm just so grateful for everything that's happened because I do work from home exclusively. I'm, I, we have an au pair who lives with us and she's become part of our family. So I'm blessed that we can, you know, that we can afford to do that and that it, and that it works so well for us and that we have such a wonderful person because I have this like, amazing thing where I have a full-time childcare, but I like, I eat lunch with him almost every day. I see him all the time. I feel like, you know, I never thought I would be like, I, I didn't know what I thought, but it just to, to be able to be as involved as I can, depending on what my day is like and to not have that, like that feeling of lack that mm-hmm. I'm missing out and knowing that like I have choices and, that I can flex in this direction and that direction. It's amazing. So, and he's the cutest, but what parent doesn't think their kid is the cutest in the world? So totally. (laughs) But I just feel like you have such peace with how you've set up your business. And I feel like it's so refreshing to hear because I do feel like a lot of people don't feel that. And I think they needed to hear your message today. So thank you. Yeah. I think, and I just like to kind of like put a, like an end cap on what you just said. Like, I think it can be so easy to compare, I'll speak for myself. It can be so easy for me to compare myself to this or that. And then it's like, but in 2021, I flipped a house in 2022. I bought an Airbnb. I've been pregnant or nursing for three years continuously. Like I've been doing so much that just wasn't like the way I used to define productivity and success in, in various ways. And it, I've had, I need people around me who zoom out and say, Hey, you know, but look you, how cool this is. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Thank you. Yes. Great. Like, like you set me straight today. And I, I, I need, I think we all need that depending mm-hmm. on how much your ambition can run the show. So I totally, yeah, I totally love that. How's your Airbnb? Do you love being an Airbnb owner? I do. It's a little intensive. I feel like anything with property management comes in waves, but the Airbnb way, we self-manage at so this time. Uh-huh. So, and the house we bought has a lot of deferred maintenance. So really our, our challenge has sometimes been like, OMG, like big ticket repairs, this thing, that thing. So that's the only thing that really stresses me out, but I love hosting people. Mm-hmm. There's so much like about, you know, real estate sales that obviously translates of just like, 
having great templates and proactive. Like I love when people come and stay at our house. We have like a crazy detailed guest book that I made. And it's like, I want to see these restaurants, rent the bikes from this good bike place, reserve your umbrella earlier. They might be like, I love to curate experiences for people. And I know you do too. So that probably speaks to your heart. So wait, I have a question. Do you use Flowdesk for all of your check-ins? So we're just operating out of Airbnb right now. Are, do you, are you multi-platform or how well, are you managing? I'm, I'm multi-platform, but one thing that I think that, you know, with email marketing, what, what Flowdesk, if I'm going to go back to this again, is it can be for all your businesses. So if somebody books on Airbnb, they go into an email series that's like, hey, thanks for booking. Here's the check-in instructions. And a day later, it's like, hey, if you're up here, these are my favorite restaurants to hit. And then the next one's like, if you're having, if you have kids coming up and traveling with you, these are my favorite things to do with my kids up there. If you like to bar hop, here's all the best bars, you know? So I don't have to ever do that again, but they're getting that whole experience. So for agents listening, you can create that within your um, your client experience when somebody goes under contract. So I just think that it's so cool. Um, and if you want to know more about Flowdesk too, I do have classes on that. So again, like totally feel free to reach out to me because it is so cool. Yeah, people should reach out to you because if your email is ugly, or it's ugly in any way like it's gonna solve those problems it totally just, does it makes everyone happy i love getting flow desk emails well thank you so much for all of your value today um okay so we like to end the show with doing kind of like spitfire you say one word that comes to mind when i say a word okay oh gosh okay i know this is so hard oh and i have a good one for you pregnancy is Long, <laughs> long. You guys, she has a couple <laughs> weeks <stretcher>. left. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, okay. I have um, my last one is self time is invaluable. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. You guys go work out at nine o'clock. Don't feel bad about it. Don't go do it and tell me you did it. I want to hear. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys later. Thank you.